tuned in, the signal's clear. Coming through geocache talk, a voice on the line I hear. Coming through geocache talk. It's time for geocache talk. Whether you are at work, in the car, or wherever you are, we hope you enjoy this show about the great sport of geocaching. If you are watching live on YouTube, you can be part of the adventure tonight in the chat room and participate with others as they watch the show. If you are listening later, please give it a like and subscribe on your favorite podcasting app so that you can get all of the weekly geocache talk goodness. Big thanks to the Trouble Bugs for our opening and our featured patrons, Captain Howie, Fam Gustafson. I always mess that up. Gustafson. There you go. Curiosity Girl, Glowworm77, Kevin's to Betsy, Bounce Bounce, Poe Ann, uh, Three Happy Campers, Team Ewart, Atreides78723, and he has been rolling through a lot of counties in other states now since he finished Texas. Mm-hmm. Our new patrons, Mustard Devil, Audie Olson, Autumn EB, and Team Monroe's. If you'd like to become a patron, click on the Become a Patron little heart on the front page of the website. You like that? It's a red heart now. Uh, show us some love. <laughs> <laughs> Link on the front page of the Geocache Talk website, or you can go over to patreon.com forward slash Geocache Talk for more details. Patrons get the now famous blackout coin. I went with gold tonight. So, ooh. Nice. Yeah, the special gold one. There's the original. Do you have the original, Chris? I think I do. You might have that one, I think. I know you got the others. Yeah. Um, other geocaching items during the year, bonus content, a lot of that coming up here shortly. Um, book club is going on. Book club before we move on from it. Uh, we met last week, yep. and uh, we put up four, so they're a poll to, for which one we're going to do next. And it actually ended up with a two-way tie between two things, between two books. So uh, one of our books is going to be harder to get. So I don't want to go a long time into this, but for the patrons, we need to go back on there. And anybody that voted for First to Find uh, as one of our books, we're not going to be able to get it in time. That one, the version of it, because apparently that's a very popular title for geocaching books. Imagine that. Sure. Imagine. Um, what, what, what's go that? back and decide one of the other two leading ones. And uh, we got to pick one of those two. So we'll leave it open until tomorrow because we got to get started with our book. But it's a tie, and I don't want to pick between. I don't want to. I'm not going to yeah. trigger. Right. Um, anybody else who just happened to not vote, go vote. It's still up there. Um, but we're down to On Trails and Death Row. So that's the two books left. Go vote, cast your vote for one of those. Be the tiebreaker. And we're going to close it, let's say, tomorrow morning. There you go. Perfect. Uh, we've also got invites to special events only for patrons, which, uh, let me finish out support level start at as little as bison tube level. That's just $3 a month. And we'll do news here in a moment, but let's jump right into show 213. So we welcome to the show, Chris Mackey, Chris, thanks. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Good Absolutely. Morning. We've been meaning to do this for a while. I just kind of just didn't really work out, but we're, <laughs> we're glad it's worked out. 
we got a lot of cool stuff to talk about tonight and um, coins and other stuff that we've talked about that I think will be fun. Uh, but first, uh, we are going to do a little bit of a little bit of a little bit of news. We've got a couple things I want to mention. One is that, uh, well, let's do the sponsor first. Yep. Sponsor tonight is? Right in the rain. Right in the rain. And yeah. we, we have a code we're going to do again. Promo again, so. Yep. The promo code is back, geocache. Whenever you buy anything from Right in the Rain during September, uh, you don't get 10% off. You don't get 20% off. You get thirty percent off your your final total. Woohoo! So, pretty excited about that. Um, it's so great to partner with Ride in the Rain, and um, you get. You know, to- oh, there you go. Last time, uh, yeah, the last time they ran out, I went stocked up with a bunch of these. This yeah. is the ones I had on the shelf. I got a bu- oh, wrong way. Oh, those again. Those are great. I got a bunch more. Oh, it's wrong way. There you go. So. I don't know all my caches now. I, I can't. I don't have any excuse to put like regular like Kleenex toilet paper in there. You know, right on. So many rain logs now that, that yeah, that's the that's the new standard. As a matter of fact, I even thank the cache owner every time I find one and it's got the waterproof paper now because it's not the standard for everybody and there's a huge difference. So yeah, I make sure I put a little thank you on my log for that. You know, I cut and paste the rest of it, of course, but. Put a little thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's for another show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's great. And if you find, if you happen to, if you work your order just perfectly, you can also get sort of bonus double prize. Oh yeah. Stuff. So sometimes if something's on sale, they'll put the additional 30% on top of it. So, you know, go out to ritr.com, right in the rain.com, and check it out in the month of September, which I think starts tomorrow. Is that right? Am I right? May 31? Uh, Tuesday? Like eh. and, yeah. Tuesday. Tuesday. That's all right. Um, okay, let's see. Lots of stuff. Um, Still want to call out for blogs. Yes. So- Surely in the midst of a worldwide pandemic and you're a geocacher, you have at least one story of something weird. So send it in. <laughs> if you need some help, she wants to get your stories out there. I want Gary and I to have to write these stories. We talk enough as it is. So we want to hear your stories. Send the stories in. Do you mm-hmm. have the email handy that you can put up? Uh, I, the, yeah, well, they can send it to... Thanks. Send you mean as far as where to send information? Logs, yeah. Thanks. Send it obviously to us, but also mm-hmm. you can send it to Jan, uh, Angie, Geo Jangie. Um, see if I can find that. I know we had it somewhere, but yeah, where did I put that? Where'd I mean, directly to us works too. She can access it from there. But just send in your stories. That's the important thing. We we really want to keep putting out other people's stories, right? Absolutely. Everybody has at least one creative story. If not, you're not cashing enough and you're not going to events enough. You know, if you have to steal somebody else's story, it's okay. We won't check. That's right. It doesn't really matter. We won't, we won't do an ID check for it. It's okay. Yeah. Do like Kramer on the, uh, uh, 
where he would he he was he sold sold his stories, let other people use them for his own stories, or so it's pretty funny. Uh, all right, so next is uh, upcoming shows. Oh, we have a lot. Of, we do have a lot more announcements that I can't get to. I'm just going to skip it. Otherwise, I'm going to say something wrong. That's right. You can't um, you can't spill the beans yet because we've got a big thing going. Well, we we got a big powwow on Wednesday, but we can't talk about that. Uh, upcoming shows. So um, next week we're going to be talking about stealth. Stealth required. Uh, I will be on the road, so hopefully we won't have any problems with Wi-Fi. But if not. Jesse can handle it all by himself. Yep. And then in two weeks, we have on uh, Randall, uh, Randy, or he goes with Randall H. But uh, Randall, uh, Randy Hodges is going to be on talk about kayaking, geocaching, and beyond. He's got some great stories about uh, kayaking, uh, doing the um, doing challenges, and uh, great. He has a lot of great stories. He's got give him the chance to tell some stories. So story time with Randy in a couple of weeks. And then in three weeks, uh, Doug McCray will be back on the show. Um, Doug is, is currently being featured on Netflix in a documentary called high score. Mm-hmm. So um, if you haven't watched that yet on Netflix, it's well worth watching. Uh, especially because Doug's on there, and we love Doug. He's a great geocacher and a great f- friend of the show. But um, it is fascinating. Uh, some great stories uh, of how certain video games even came about. So, yeah, it's one of the like top ten most popular shows on Netflix right now, too. Yeah, so that's awesome. Um, there we go. Um, that's it for the news. And uh, September twenty second. Yes, go ahead. You go for uh, that. Party. So for the patrons out there, we're going to get together uh, September 22nd, 8 p.m. Central Time. Um, and uh, we're not even going to say what we're going to do yet, but we're going to have some fun. So that'll be a fun. That's one of those fifth, magical fifth Tuesdays of uh, of a month. So yeah. there's no point in having a, a break, right? Right? We're we're all upset. We all do everything every day. So we're on, we're on Tuesdays. Hang out and have a party. So we're going to have a party, a patron party, September 22nd, 8 p.m. Central Time. More yeah. details will come out in the mail. More details coming soon. Um, yeah, people are wanting me to spill the spill the beans. I'm not going to do that, but thank as you. As soon as we can, we will. Thank so. you. Yes. Yes. Appreciate that. Um, chat room is rolling. Um, some great stuff on there. Oh, the truck is on there said that uh, Christian designed his path tag. So there you go. Just finished that. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah. We should, we'll have to talk about that a little bit here in a, in a we minute. Have the date right. Somebody's asking 22nd or 29th. We have the date right on that 22nd, right? It's the 22nd. Second. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We wanted to do, we wanted to allow for, um, Gadget talk to be separated completely, first of the month, end of the month. And then we wanted uh, puzzle talk to have consecutive Tuesdays together. So we didn't want to split up because the this week, this month's pu- September's puzzle talk are related to one another. Um, they're sort of a part one, part two. Yeah, that makes sense. So we didn't want to split them up. 
So yeah, so for for September, it's uh, the third and the thirty first are uh, Gadget Talk because we like to give them because then it, it goes every Tuesday. Let's just say yeah. It's Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Did I say that? Yeah, I just said that wrong, didn't I? Wait, hang on. I'll fix it. Hang on. I'm in September. It's too much to keep up with. The first and the 29th uh-huh. are Gadget Talk because yeah. we didn't want to split them up. Right. We didn't want to split up Puzzle Talk, so that's the 8th and 15th. So that left the 22nd for for the party. Patron party. There, I fixed it. And who knows, by the 22nd, we could reveal some really big news, possibly. Yeah, oh yeah. There'll be still be big news before that. So it'll either be big news or big flop. One of those two. Either one's funny, so it's great. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yep. So Derek's jumping in, yes. He's he's trying to remind the first is Gadget Talk. That's right. And Tom is the next two puzzle calls. Bring snacks and quarters. Yeah. I'm not sure why that uh... Okay. So now that we've thoroughly confused everybody with our top podcasting. Let's uh, why don't we actually involve our guest? Let's, let's <laughs> get into it. I'm sure Chris is enjoying this to an, to an extent. I mean, oh, this is he's, he's totally awed by what's behind the curtain. He, he is. I'm actually, well, it's kind of funny. I, I, my background is actually in broadcast television. So this is, you know, I've, I've been around the, around this a little bit, usually on the other side of the camera though. Um, right. So you, you know how the, uh, how people are like him and Derek both know how it's done right. So you can see how it's not done right with us. Right. So <laughs> perfect. You can you can watch the train wreck as it is it hey if you got content <laughs> as it yeah that's right as it slowly comes off the rails you can watch it tumble down the right. check that still out look there. at that thing it's going still, down still entertaining. <laughs> still entertaining exactly there you that's, go. that's what we're here for. Uh all right so uh so Chris, before we get into, because people are going to want to ask, and if you want to ask questions, please join in, uh, join in the chat room and ask your questions. Um, functional chaos. I love it. That's a good way to put it. That's a great way to put it. That's a great um, way to put it, by the way. So. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about some other things, because I find them interesting um, as well about yourself. Um, you've been geocaching how long do you think now? I started in the fall of 2005 by accident. <laughs> by accident. I know. I, lo- I love it. That's tell usually that, how it starts. Tell that story real fast because it's great. So I can say I, I originally started doing a lot of mountaineering with uh, a friend of mine, Eric Fox. And so we were mm-hmm. constantly going kind of out in the middle of nowhere. And my parents were concerned about us getting back from the middle of nowhere. So they bought me a GPS and it's still my favorite GPS. Um, it's lovingly called the Brick. Wow! The look at that thing. And it's that uh, dangerous. Does it put off radiation? I mean, is that this, okay is a, <laughs> this is a Garmin. It's runs on four double A's, and it's the fastest thing I, I ever, and the most uh, the most accurate thing I've ever used. Um, generally, if your cords are good you can stand at ground zero and fall and touch the cash wherever it is. It's wow. It's, it's really been great. And it's funny, I guess they stopped making them a long time ago, mm-hmm. but at one of the geocaching events, I, someone saw it clipped to my bag and it was one of the Garmin people that were there. Oh wow. And they mentioned, they're like, how did you get a hold of that? And they're like, only the employees get those. Oh really? So apparently they were still making them, but not for everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
Wow. Or at least that's the way it sounded to me. So they thought that was pretty cool that I, I still had one that functioned. I'm like, this is the only one I ever had. But we got this one. It was a used unit from a soldier who had gone overseas to Germany, didn't speak the local language. And so he would just waypoint the base and start walking. Because if nothing else, he could find his way back to where he started. Right. And so, you know, just using his breadcrumbs. And so when we started caching, we had no idea, you know, what a, 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 a how it worked, what it could do. And so I just kind of Googled, you know, how to use a GPS. And I found this great forum that had lots of friendly people that were really super helpful about trying to give you some hints and about what to do and things to look for and functions to try to utilize. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's great. So I took a bunch of notes, wrote it down. And then he and I went off on um, with our families up to Alaska, did 13 days of hiking. And they came back. And when we got back, he says, you know what? We should look up that caching thing, that geocaching thing, you know, <laughs> after we yeah. had just gone up you right. know, all over. And so we finally, we finally looked it up. We kept talking about, yeah, we should, yeah, we should. And then never did. And then someone asked, Someone asked Fox if uh, if he was the Mountain Boys, and he said, "I have right. no idea what you're talking about." He's in the Mountain Boys, and he said the geocaching. He said, "I have no idea." You know, he said, "Oh wait a minute, I have heard of that, but I don't know what you're talking about." They said, "Well, on the mountain right behind your farm, there's there's one of those treasure boxes." Right. So he he called me up after work and said, "Hey, you know what is this? Do you remember?" And I said, "Hey, I said it's that thing I bookmarked." I said, "We'll have to check it out." So we decided we were going to check it out, and we said, "Oh, this is pretty cool." When we started reading about it. Of course, you did not read all the directions ever, you know, because you get excited about something, you just got decided to go do it. And so, hmm. the for the, for the sounds, first day, sounds, out, we, we immediately like, DM. like somebody I know. I'm not sure who that would be. I don't know who you're looking at. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> so, ahead, we went and looked for one, um, and we dug down about a foot in the snow and had no luck finding that one. We said, well, maybe we're doing it wrong. Let's go find an easier one. So, we said, look for the smaller black box. That must be easier. So we went and looked for one of those and we couldn't find that one either. We're like, wow, we're really bad at this. You know, <laughs> let's go for the easiest one, the little tiny black box. That'll be the easiest one. That's even harder. We spent the next two and a half hours in a hundred foot by 50 foot wedge of park space in front of the uh, front door of the police station, trying oh, wow. to be subtle. Right. Trying. And we said, let's give it 15 minutes. If we can't find it, we just have to admit that we're really bad at this. Let's just go home. This is getting ridiculous. My hands are frozen. My hand, my feet are frozen. Let's just go. Well, we gave it a good 20 minutes and then we called it. And That's they said, it. it's just not for us. And we went to go get in the car. As we go to get in the car, he looks down. He says, you don't think this is it, do you? He said, one of the parking meters was missing. And there's, there's a little gray 35 millimeter film canister with a G on the top of it sitting in the top of that post. Where we parked our car. Where you parked, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, of course, we retrieved it. We signed it. We're grinning at each other, you know. Yeah. And thinking, we are so good at this. <laughs> We're going to rock this. <laughs> we are gods at this. <laughs> oh, we felt so cool. It was so It was so terrible. I mean, we look, we look back and we laugh and we laugh. But we just thought that was the greatest thing ever. Like, this is, this is the best. Let's go do this. And, uh. <laughs> Great. That's kind of how it started. And from there, it just went downhill. Right. <laughs> we, we didn't get better for a long time. We That's spent, so, so we have this beautiful unit that has all these abilities. 
Right. But we didn't know how to use them, and I never did find a user manual for it. Right. We spent the next, I think, about 10 months where we would take turns. Someone would hold the fisheye compass, and someone would hold the GPS, right. and we'd watch the raw data jump up and down and left and right, and we would figure out where to go by watching that data spin across, yes. just zipping through and it's amazing. You actually, after a while, you start to get it. And uh, we thought we were getting pretty good at it. And then the first time we ever went caching with other people, they're like, what are you doing? Yeah. They said, why don't you turn on the little black arrow? We said, what little black arrow? <laughs> <laughs> There's a black arrow on this thing? <laughs> what are you talking about? They're like, here, click, yeah. click. And then uh, we felt about that big. <laughs> That's but okay. it, was, it was a good time. But I mean, and it's, and that was kind of, it was kind of the story of every time we met another cashier, something else like that kind of amazing happened. Um, over the course of the next year, we several times would run into cashiers. And those first two caches that we DNF'd, we ended up finding people who had found them. And it turned out the first one was a stage that was missing, but someone had found the final. So they gave us the stages two and three to go complete it. So we went back and found those and turned those frownies into smileys. Right. And that was pretty cool. So we ended up finding all three of the first three that we looked for in time, but only after we really met the community and that, that changed everything. That is awesome. No, that is awesome. Um, so a couple other stories and then we'll get into mm -hmm. um, all the craziness about coins that I want to, I want to hear about. And I'm sure everybody else also wants to hear some stories about mm -hmm. that, but um I always love hearing about people who have done the ET highway and we're not going to spend a lot of time on it, but I think it's fascinating. Jesse and I are still planning on, we definitely want to do that. We're going to make a trip there at some point. We're going to do it. The two of us and hopefully we'll get some more. We'll recruit some more people because now we're hearing we could do them. Is it 15 seconds? Is that what I hear? You can do 47 seconds was our record from cash to cash. And, uh, you you could you need good suspension and good brakes and good acceleration but it involved three guys and we you would rotate that one guy would jump out and run to grab the cash the other guy was pre-signing the log for the cash that would go in the next so you actually can rotate them right. as you go right so you know someone would go diving through the cactus getting stuck with cactuses and and you know look for it in a pile of rocks and hopefully not get stung by anything run back to the car, dive in, and yeah. as he dives in, throws it to the guy that's in the back seat, or throws it, to the, no, throws it down so he can start signing it. The guy in the back seat, meanwhile, is getting is opening up his door as you're accelerating down the road. You slam on the brakes, sand goes everywhere. He piles out and goes to find the next one right. while you're signing it. And the guy in the, you know, guy behind the wheel is just one foot on the brake, one foot on the gas, gunning it, gunning it, gunning it, and then boom, <laughs> you're gone, and you go do another one. And it's funny. We there were there were a number of places when you're out there where there's kind of like a road next to the highway where it's a dirt road, and you'll see like bumpers and like literally like the the fascia the plastic bumpers front and back bumpers laying there, quarter panels laying there. You'll see exhaust pieces everywhere, exhaust brackets laying all over the place, and you know you're not the only person who's done this. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it was uh it was a lot of fun. Yes, yeah, if someone says take the doors off the Jeep, that would have been so much easier. Mm -hmm. we, uh, we, yeah, we uh, we had a good time. I've heard someone said they did it in a minivan with a team of people, and it was mm -hmm. similar to that. 
where it was like, you know, it was go, go, go. But we kept shaving off a few seconds each time. And then eventually we got it to where, you know, we were getting it down to under a minute and we did two or 300 of them like that. And then we were just so exhausted. We said, let's go do some geo art. And then we were just driving around in the desert. (laughs) That's awesome. How, uh, How long did you spend out there? Well, we were out there for GeoCoin Fest Vegas. So we were out there for two or three days. But for the ET, we went out like at first at the crack of dawn. And then we came home or back to Vegas, you know, to the hotel. It was about 11. And we were trying to get back because we were going to meet some of the other cashers um, at the bar. And to, just to talk about what we've been doing that day. And as we were roaring back to town trying to make it in a hurry, we, uh, we just flying. I mean, there's just straight roads and go as fast as you want type thing out there. And we were just roaring down the road and, and all of a sudden there was a flash of light and, you know, a quick swerve and, you know, steady the car. And we said, what was that? And he said, that was a cow in the middle <laughs> of the road. There's no fences. They just walked back and forth right. on the highway. And we weren't really aware of just how loose they were. So we all laughed and we said, well, that's the man upstairs telling you to slow it down. So we slowed it down a little bit. We yeah. made it back in one piece. So plow into that cow and you'd have, you'd have found that, that yeah. how, how much of a uh, car that would have been a bad day. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, ooh. But, but it's, it's beautiful out there. We saw a bunch of, uh, we got to see a bunch of like old pictographs and things like that. We found a few of those sites. There's a few caches out there that will really show you stuff. You could, you know, you'd never imagine, you know, I think that's the great thing about caching is that it showed me all kinds of little things. I'd only heard stories of or seen a picture in a magazine and then next thing you know, you're you're there in person looking mm-hmm. at something a you know a thousand year old writing on a wall, mm-hmm. and you're you know you're it, it's firsthand. That's that's where it's at. That's the magic for, of caching for me. Is yeah, uh, that's very you cool. know doing that and being with a community of people like minded. You know, yes, that's pretty cool. So let's um let, we'll steer now the the conversation toward coins. We are going to talk mm-hmm. talk a lot about that. We want to talk about some other stuff to do tonight, but let's yeah. talk. Let's let's do kind of a combo one, which was you, I guess we were trying to find, trying to find your first geocoin was uh, a cash right. called Melissa. Right. Yeah. So yeah, there was a coin called Melissa that had come up. Actually it was, it was Christmas Eve or the morning of Christmas Eve. And so we had, you know, we both had our, our family, you know, gatherings happening that day. So we had a number of things that were going on, but I got the early morning call um, from Fox and he said, Hey, there's a coin it's here. It's, it's, you know, maybe six, eight miles away, but it's out there and it's in a cache and it's a multi-cache. So, you know, how hard could it be? <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Uh, and I said, well, I said, there's a big storm rolling in. He said, if we go now, we'll get there and we'll get out before the storm hits. And I said, yeah, we'll just have to go fast. And I, and he said, okay. He said, I'll meet you down there. And sure enough, we, we found the parking spot. And then we looked around and realized we're at the bottom of a mountain looking up the side right. and going all oh, more. So turned out it was a five part multi-cache. Um, there was snow on top of the mountain. So, you know, we were both in light hikers. I think he had like low, low hikers and I had mid hikers and jeans and sweatshirts <laughs> no coats, no hats, no gloves. We're just like, oh, we'll go fast. We'll stay warm. And then the wind starts up and then the snow starts coming down and it's squalls start hitting and we're slogging back and forth. And 
the guy who set up this cash, uh, Rich and Nipa, he's fantastic. He's kind of like set the bar for awesome caches in our area. Cool. Um, turned it into like a five pointed star where you had to keep going over the mountain and back down the other side to find oh, wow. each of the points. Wow. And when we got to the point where we're, we're running out of light cause it's gotten dark, the days are short, snow is really getting bad. And I'm, he's got the, um, he's got the, the, uh, unit, the brick and I've got mm -hmm. the fisheye lens. So I'm looking at the fisheye lens, just walking and he's got <laughs> the unit and he says, stop. And I said, I said, what's up? And I look back and I couldn't see anything. It's just a squall of snow coming in. Right. And he said, stop. He said, the numbers are catching up. He said, they were a little slow. I think the machine, the machine's cold. So I'm stopped and I'm waiting. I'm waiting. He said, okay, it's only about 10 feet from me or, you know, about 10 feet from you, 10 feet from me. We're about 20 feet apart. And I said, okay, right. so wait a second. And we're looking around, we're looking around. And all of a sudden he says, there it is. And I said, what? He said, that rock, it's upside down. I said, what are you talking about? I said, the lichen is upside down. Oh. I said, how can you see that? He said, how do you not? But he's just a guy that spends every day hiking. Right. And he's like, he's spotted. He's like, it's, it just looks like a, you know, like a stop sign. I said, okay, great. And I, you know, go to take my, my backpack off and I look around, I'm standing on the edge of a cliff with about 180 foot drop. Dang. So when he said stop and I'm walking into the squall looking down, you know, that, that, that old, uh, the old original shirt design where it said focus yeah, that just and like branded in my head after that, you know. <laughs> oh my gosh! But we found this box, so we're standing there. We're wet. We're shivering. We're like, you know, soaked all the way up to our, you know, past our knees oh. from this between slogging through the water and the creeks and the and the snow. And cracks open that crisp ammo can in the woods. Makes that beautiful pop. Yes. And we're like, oh, it's in here. We start going through, and then we found it, and we were like, oh, it is beautiful it was like like fresh minted from gold you know and we're holding it up in the light Aww. we're taking pictures of it oh i mean clouds parted clouds a little open, bit sunshine comes down like it's right. that kind of moment yeah um Aww. years later i look back at the pictures and i laugh and i laugh it yeah. was this dingy dirty usa 2005 generic geocoin but it was the only coin we'd ever seen so it was still the coolest coin we'd ever seen and it was amazing that's the last incredible. time i saw it it was headed for russia um it got it got lost somewhere in northern europe but it'll show up again somewhere oh wow it's amazing wow. how often how long they'll disappear and then show up again i've had one coin disappear for two four-year stints and show up again seriously wow yeah. yep the first time it just it was uh it was in someone's bag who had accidentally left her caching bag at one cache went to go find another cache, realized she forgot her swag bag, ran back, and the bag's gone. Mm. Wow. And then just disappeared. And then four years later, just showed up in a cache with no explanation. Wow. And then wow. that same coin disappeared maybe a year or two after that. And then four years later again, I got a message, said, hey, I found your coin. It was in a kid's toy box at a garage sale. I'm going to throw it in a local cache. <laughs> and, it started, and it started traveling again, you know. Dang. So, you know, it happens. It's a, uh, it's a, uh, it ties in well with the whole designing coins thing. I'll, I'll get to that later, but yeah, it's, it's a, uh, that moment was kind of something cool that I didn't really realize how important that moment was until later. No, very, no, that's very true. You know, um, we won't have time tonight really to talk too much about, but uh, coins in caches 
at least down in in my neck of the woods, you don't find a coin in a cache anymore. Very rarely. Not not does not much. They're not many. Uh, path tags, yes, I see those periodically, but coins, uh, maybe for the most part, people. Uh, you know, if you put it out in the wild, you can't keep it. I mean, I guess people do, though. That's the sad right. part, I guess. You see proxy coins out a lot, but not proxy coins is a great idea to do. I mean, yeah, it was that was kind of birthed from. I think there was this explosion when that Geo, it was a GeoMate Junior or something came out that was like yeah. preloaded in caches, and you all of a sudden had this massive influx of people who came in mm-hmm. who thought finding a coin was treasure to keep. Yeah. And I mean, I had long conversations with people who found it and just thought that, oh, I found the prize and just just never had been introduced to the idea of a traveler and didn't understand that coins and, right. and travel bugs had a purpose. So hey, yeah. Marcellus is along for the ride tonight. Hey, Marcellus, man's been traveling a lot, but he says he put a coin in a cash a year ago. Yep. yep. And then disappears. <laughs> yep. Oh, Adam. Adam was in the, over in Georgia uh, a couple days ago. That's cool. Saw one in, in a travel bug hotel. That's awesome. Yeah. You do still see him every once in a while, but definitely it's the it's more yeah. tags and stuff than, you know. I The most successful travelers I had, I, I had made a joke when we when these, it started to become a thing that coins were disappearing quickly. And I said, I'm, I'm taking measures to secure my coins. And I drilled ho- holes in them and attached bicycle locks. Oh, wow. And set them loose. I said, now they're secure. And that yeah. was a big joke. But those ones with the locks actually traveled quite well, um, with one <laughs> exception, which was hilarious, because the guy who found it, it was his coin, or it was one of his that I had traded for. Right. And he found it with the lock on it. That was uh, the Mountain Man brick. <laughs> right. And he was so tickled when he saw that. He just like, I just put that back on the mantle with the other ones. <laughs> I'm like, that's, I said, that's, that's, I said, the story is better than the cost of the coin. I'm like, that's right. I have to give another coin out just because I get to laugh at that. You know, the idea that that, you know, is sitting in someone's house on display. The fact that you drove a a hole into a coin and then sent it out is like sacrilege for some people, you know. Uh, There were, I've done a couple uh, where I cut coins in half just to see how they're made. And look, oh, the look of horror on people's faces when they see them in hand. How could you? But I had to. I had to see, you know. Yeah. And it's, you have to understand the, you know, you have to understand the product in a way that's pretty painful sometimes. I have I, I have an idea for a coin I want to do. I've I've talked with some other people about doing it and, and it's gonna involve purposely hurting coins, but hopefully it will make each one unique in a in a cool way. So oh, yeah. We'll see how that works out. Cool. So, um, without going into, because we got a lot to talk, I want to talk about a lot of specifics tonight about not necessarily necessarily the detail of laminations and stuff like that, but I kind of want to get more into what's possible, what's not possible, um, what you have seen that has really inspired you, and getting some of those, because I got several coins in front of me I want to show, and we'll talk about um, several of those, but, um, just for people who don't know how, how did you kind of get started in coins? And then I guess also path tags. <laughs> that's a, uh, that's kind of a funny story. Uh, well, we found Melissa and we thought that is the coolest thing ever, you know, and we, 
I forget how we found out that there were coins out there. I don't know if it was random talk or something, but once we found out the coins were a thing, I got on the GeoCoin forums and found right. out there are people making these things. And it was the coolest thing. It was, it was, I was still very new at this point. Um, we'd only been at it for two or three months. And I saw what it took to make a coin and the cost of it. And I said, there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way. It's there, you know, it's expensive. That's, you know, who right. would spend that much money on a hobby? Right. Right. <laughs> Come on. So, so uh, I, kind of two, a, a number of things happened all at once. Um, I found people who had the had the means to make a coin, but not necessarily the design skill. And so I took a chance helping those people make their own coin for the first time. And so that was one of the, that was kind of like, it was a learning experience for me and it was a way for them to get a design. And it was, I was reaching a point in my life where I was, you know, I was working full time as a, as a regular um, advertising graphics designer. So you're putting in 14 hours a day or, or more. And so you go home and you don't feel like doing artwork, but mm -hmm. coins was something completely different. It was cool. It was fun. It was just as a personal favor. So it wasn't like it was really work. And I found that like, I just kind of loved doing that again because yeah, I, I like kind of refound the love for design, but I found people who needed help mm -hmm. and I had the ability to help them. I didn't have the money to make a coin, but it gave me free experience building a coin. And so I got to a couple chances to design coins that way. Meanwhile, I'm still trying to figure out how to make my own coin and how to make one better and cheaper. I didn't like that you couldn't get gradations of color because everything is an enamel fill. So it had to be a solid color. You couldn't have yeah. this and you couldn't have that. And you had to have metal between every color. And I didn't like all those things because were, they were all these, what I thought of as limitations. Right. And so I was asking dozens and dozens of questions a day on the forums and everybody's super cool about answering because we're all excited about the same thing. Yeah. And I had a lot of really specific questions and someone said, Hey, here's an email of a guy kind of knows everything about coins. Just ask him some of this stuff. Cause he'll probably give you like the best answers. He knows the most. And so they gave me this guy's email and I, I sent him, you know, a bunch of questions and he answered me. I sent him a bunch more and I answered and I'm like, I'm just firing them off at this guy for weeks and weeks and weeks. And, it, and I finally came up with a way to build my own coin where it was a printed coin that was the printed faces would be held inside of an acrylic coin case. Like the ones you put precious coins in mm -hmm. just for putting them on display. And then I would make those trackable and send them out. And so oh, wow. I had this idea and I kind of worked it out to where, hey, I think this is going to look pretty cool. And so... This guy who had answered all these questions, I'm pestering him and pestering and pestering him. He said, hey, it sounds like a great idea. You know, send me one when you're done. And he said, I'll send you one of my you know, right. personal tokens. And so I sent some off and I forgot all about it. And I'm excited about my new coins that I'm putting out, you know, these <laughs> acrylic, you know, discs or tokens or whatever. Right. And uh, a couple of weeks later, I get a package in the mail and I'm like trying to think who would send me a package from Washington? I don't recognize the name. Um, and I have family out there, but it wasn't anybody I recognized. So right. I tore it and poured out a couple mountain bike tokens. Oh. Here I, I'm ding dong and John the whole time. Yeah, mountain I'm, like, bike. I'm like, Oh, could, yes. it have, could it have been any more embarrassing that I'm like everything I'm complaining about, you know, as far as cost and what it takes to make a coin, they're all the things that he <laughs> celebrates and loves. And I'm just, there's gotta be a better way. This is a terrible <laughs> idea. <laughs> right. Oops. But, 
it was after building a couple of those coins for other people, I, I realized like, this is just, I don't, I don't care what it takes. We've got to do it. And so Fox put up half and I put up half and we just made our own coin Wow! and we just jumped in it. And so we, we made a number of designs that we liked and we refined those down to just the two sides that we were going to go with, which ended mm -hmm. up being the, the Fox and the Hound coin. Right. And we, we went with it. We had tremendous success. We got to make lots of trades. And it was great because once when you have that coin, you're not just a geocacher anymore. Now you're a geocacher with a personal coin. It's a whole nother level of excitement, yeah. enthusiasm, a group within the group that has an even higher level of, of sort of uh, fervor for this finding right. treasure. And I was just addicted to the whole idea. You know, I mean, everything about it. That was, I mean, I, I would wake, you know, fall asleep and wake up dreaming about coins and, and writing down ideas and stuff like this, you know, it's just, it took over and it was exciting, you know, and it still is. And I think that's one of the amazing things, you know, 15 years later, it's still exciting, still exciting, which is pretty wild. Uh, but um, yeah, I, that was a big part of, of yeah. what made it happen. It was, I found l my love of doing art for the sake of art again. Right. And so, and I had a bunch of extra ideas that I didn't use for my own coin Right. So I went to the guys who helped me do it, who was, uh, you know, at the time it was personal coins, but, you know, I didn't know that they did the GeoCoin Club and had the coin store. Yeah. So I said, hey, I have a bunch of, I said, I just heard that you guys are also involved in this other stuff. I have a bunch of other designs or any interest in, in these other designs. And they will show us what you got. Yeah. So I showed them and they said, we love them. What do you want? And I said, I want to see them turn into coins. You know, <laughs> there we go. But what do you want for the design? I'm like, yeah, how much? coins <laughs> so and, and you know so i just i did designs once in a while for coins and i was like this was great i mean i went from you know my wife was like you know like any hobby i have she's like if you can find a way to you know play your hobby and not break the bank or you know cost the house money you know go you know do whatever you have to do to afford your hobby. So I said, well, now I don't even have to buy coins. I can, I can trade coins. I could, you know, I can, you know, I could trade them to, you know, if I can't get the coin I want, I could trade it to so-and-so who gets it from so-and-so. So, -and -so. so right. I into the world of coin trading. And then that was, that's, you know, again, that's kind of all these things converged at the same time. And that was it. I was hit deep in it and I haven't looked back. Wow. Still, I still love the excitement of it all the time. I think personal coins, are, are always going to be a step above and then personal coins that have a handmade touch of some kind mm -hmm. are a step above that. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, uh, I, one of my favorites still is a, a cross stitched piece of cloth, you know, was cash and care number seven, you know, and I, that's still one of my favorite, you know, right. coins, I guess if you call it our, you know, our memento. Right. There's so many cool things out there, but I love the ones that have a personal touch, something that somebody put, some real thought into, you know. Those are the ones you definitely treasure over all the other ones in your collection, for sure. They do. Yeah. And someone said early on, they said it has to resonate with you. And I didn't quite understand how important that statement was. But when you find a coin that resonates with something that's personal to you, it's that's it. Like whatever it takes to get it, that's what you're going to go through. Like that's the one I have to have. And and it's it's funny. I've designed a lot of coins where I never got one. Really? Um, I, well, sometimes it's a mystery coin. And so part of that is, you know, 
in the mystery stays a mystery. So sometimes I've gotten them, sometimes I haven't. Sometimes I did it as part of a job. Okay. And I meant to go to the event and didn't get to the event. So I'm like, oh, well, I'll get one sooner or later. Yeah. People have always been very, very generous about giving you a coin or getting you a coin, even if it's just a sample. And every everyone has really been good about that over the years. I've got almost probably 90 to 95% of them, but there's a number of them that are not out there. And I've had people ask me like, how, how could you not make that part of the deal? And I'm like, well, because it's their coin. It's a personal coin. Right. If, if part of the payment is taking something that's personal to them, that just doesn't feel right. So I said, right. if they will give you one, that's different. Or I'll trade yeah. you for one of mine. That's right. different. But I said, if, if it's, if it's a demand for something that's personal, I feel there's somehow that takes away from the experience. So Sometimes you don't get those, but then those are those become the goals I now set for myself to go find those ones that I don't have yet. Oh, you know? wow. And so for me, I mean, it, it, I'm a little spoiled in that I have such an access to coins. Yeah. So that when I don't have something, I get that same thrill of excitement finding that, you know, that piece that's missing from the collection. That yeah. somebody who's trying to find that first one, that's excitement for them. So I it regenerates that for me. And that's really cool. That's a big fun, part of the fun. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. Cause um, we won't have time not to get into, but I noticed that, well, we, we were able to, and we're so appreciative of your donations to the GT stash that we did sure. a couple of years ago. Um, you know, that was a big deal. Uh, we were putting in, you know, Jesse and I talked about, we wanted there to be, some serious prizes in the GT stash, not just, you know, generic stuff you can get at, at Walmart or something. We wanted it to really be something spectacular. And so, you know, when you and I talked about it and you were like, Oh, I got some stuff I can send you. And you, you send me these coins. I mean, like the, um, you know, the David Jones locker mm -hmm. and, but you're in, but I love that you sent in the little, the little cards that went, the little brochures that went with them. Right. To tell the story of what's in there. Yeah. Those right. were incredible. Now, um, uh, and those were, give me the right phrase. They're not artist renditions. They're artists. They're artist like, editions. Artist editions. Okay. Yeah. And that's so, actually, mm -hmm. I, that's actually something that came back from that, that first story where I was kind of like coins. Yeah. They said, well, listen, they said, you know, you're going to do something cool like that for us. You know, if that's, if you really just want coins, they said, we'll give you your own version or something. We'll call it the artist edition or something. And I was like, all right, great. I, I didn't know what it meant. And I, but that sounds cool. So I had a coin and I said, that's the artist edition. And, and almost immediately people said, you can't just make up a name for that. You can't just say it's an artist edition. Like, and I said, well, they said it's an artist edition. Right. That's what it is. And so there were there there became these long debates and these forums where the, we spent a lot of time talking about what makes it an artist edition. I said, well, it's only available from the artist, right. and it's and part of it was that it needed to be a gift or somehow or, or you know, and that I I've, I didn't I've never sold an artist edition. I've always donated them or given them away or traded them away or try to find some way to keep that specialness to them, at least for me. Yeah. And that's, and you know, it's geocaching. You, everybody plays it the way they want to play. But for me, that's one of the things I, I try to maintain so that getting an artist edition from my work, you know, should mean something, you know, right. because that's the only way to get it. And I, I was funny. I wanted to say something earlier when you guys were talking about the whole path text thing. Yeah. 
getting coins for me is easy. Getting path tags is impossible. Really? <laughs> path tags are in hand with a handshake or a hug. Yeah. And that's always been the way it is. The only way to get it is if you met me in person, you know, to get a path yeah. tag. And I said, because I've always had so many coins, I've been able to trade. Yeah. And it was, it, it was a little more wheeling, dealing, free, freewheeling type, you know, mentality. Sure. I wanted something that was really only way to get it was to meet me in person. So there were people that had asked me for years and years, you know, I remember meeting Sweet Life for the first time at an event. After four or five years, she'd been trying to find one of my tags and I held right. one aside. I said, someday I'll meet her. And I just kept putting it in my, in my box whenever yeah. I went to a big event. And eventually I did meet her. And then meeting her and giving that, you know, path tag touring in person, yeah, that was, that was what made that special. And so wow. for me, that's the artist editions are the same way. I want them to have a meaning beyond being just another version of the coin. No, that, that is awesome. Uh, so let's talk about, go ahead. I was going to say, I'll talk about some of these coins and, and get your impressions of them. We can't talk uh, about coins all night and not show any. No, we gotta show, <laughs> we're going to show and tell for sure. I mean, that's, that's, that was part of this whole thing. But, um, and also I think one of the things is that we, I want to, I really want to kind of talk about the possibilities and what, cause I think some people are, well, as we go through the rest of tonight, mm-hmm. I think that some people think that it's out of reach that they could never do a coin, that kind of thing. And I think things have changed over time now where you can get a coin made. Mm-hmm. I mean, potentially, um, you know, you're not going to make one, you know, you, you, you might want to save up, might be, you know, you do one coin, you know, every few, few years, but, you know, but if you want yeah. one, it's uh, uh, one of the things I hear a lot, and and I go to the uh, you know the geocoin conventions and, and I talk yeah. about it. But more importantly, at the smaller at the smaller get-togethers, we talk about it. One of the probably the most common things is I would love to make a coin, but I can't afford it. And and I said, well, you know, you could afford to come to this event. So right. you know, how bad is it? And they said, well, you know, because I know what I want, but what I want is going to cost this much. And I said, well. How do you know? What do you plan to do with your coin? Right. And that might be maybe the most important coin question anybody needs to ask themselves is they're going to make a coin for the first time. What do you want your coin to do? What do you plan to do with it? Are you only giving it to friends? Are you only trading it from person to person? Are, are Do you fully expect it to go out into the world and, and travel? And does it, you know, does it need to have an icon? Does it need to have these things? Um, and do you need, if you're making a batch of coins, do, do all of them need to be trackable or just some of them? Right. When That's you right. really start thinking about what you want to do with that coin, it changes the dynamic immediately. And when that dynamic changes, your price changes too. So, you know, in, you know, instead of, you know, most average coin runs nowadays are probably 200 coins. And the a lot of, a lot of times I have this question, you know, um, what if I only want to make like 10 or 15 coins? Wouldn't that be less expensive? And the answer is no, mm-hmm. it will probably cost the same as having a couple hundred coins made. Yeah. But the reason why is when you pay for a coin to be made, it's not so much the cost of stamping out the coin. It's all the work that went up to the moment they started stamping it out. Right. So it's a machine process. They have to set it up. So it's like, you know, Building the first, you know, automobile of any new design is very, very expensive. But every time they make another one, 
that first one got less expensive because you're stretching out the cost of building it over those coins. So say your dies, you know, the dies you want to, if you have a set of 2D dies, an average coin might run 150 to $200 for a set of dies. Right. Well, if you made one coin, your die fees were $200 for that coin. Right. If you, you made make. 200 coins, <laughs> your die fees were $1 per coin. Right. So it sets it up. You got to remember, you know, somewhere there's a mint, you know, a factory that has stopped an entire production line just for you. And they set it all up to make your coin. And once that machine starts running, it can pop, 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 making those coins because yeah. mechanical process. But that first coin, all the work went into getting that first coin to work. And so that's, I think the idea that you can do more or do, or do less and save money isn't really realistic. Right. And at the same time, what do you plan to do with it? You know, it, yeah. is it a gift? It, you know, doesn't need to be trackable. Um, Tracking on the edge of a coin is a huge thing. Um, yes, second run of the same coin is always cheaper. Because they have to die. Yeah, because you've already paid for all of that setup. Fee. Oh, hang on, you know, right. You, don't, you know, the artist at the coins is not being, the artist at the, at the mint is not redoing the art. They are, they have all the parts and pieces. They yeah. will, the usual thing is they will hold your molds on a shelf with your name on them for up right. to three years. Right. If you don't use them within three years, they'll melt them down again. Right. But, you know, if you make even just a few of them within three years, yeah, you can you can get more. Um, no, they're not all made in China. There are a couple mints. Um, there is the Alaska mint. A lot of us um, older coiners have seen the Alaska coin mints, the coins that they made that, you know, that were um, for hanging on your Christmas tree. Mm -hmm. um, those they do make them in the U.S. The difference, if I understand it correctly, is it's about five and a half times the expense okay. to make it in the U.S. So yes, you can make it, but it's more expensive, right? Yep. But it, and it's a different process too. But yes. I think there's more there's more of that coming this way. I've I've seen more medallions and stuff. There's more talk, you know, in, through trade circles that stuff is starting to be made here again, and they're trying to get that price back down. Right. But right now most of it's still being made overseas. You know, the, the process and we'll have to come back and do this some other time, uh, another time we get more into a lot of the more details because there's, mm -hmm. it's fascinating to me. Um, it reminds me when I heard you tell one time the story about how they're made, it reminds me of literally what they did back, you know, like Roman coins, the way they made them is they, they would make the die and um, they would take and hammer that thing as hard as they could yeah. uh, to make, to improve, in, you know, put the impression onto that coin of, of the, uh, with the die, you know, that's basically kind of what they do. They'll take and they'll smash uh, at brute, what, uh, right. several miles per hour. Right. Right. So the, the coin, the actual word coin comes from the Latin phrase, um, Latin root uh, cunis. And the cunis was that metal wedge that they put against the liquid metal and they smacked it with a hammer to leave that indentation. So a lot of times um, we kind of love we you see these like pirate treasure coins where they have the kind of weird edge on it. Yeah, you know, and you don't really always hear the story behind it. But what it was is they would measure out in a liquid pan and heat it up the silver or the gold. Right. But the, it was a, it was a liquid measurement. It's a very specific amount. 
And so you would have an indentation in stone or metal and they would pour it in there and they would put the, you know, the stamp on top and smack it. And some of it would kind of well out, you know, in an ununiform shape around the edge. Right. So you would have this roundish stamp that wasn't always in the middle of the coin and you'd have this kind of oblong, you know, edges that go around it. Mm-hmm. A lot of times that's, that's where that comes from, that unusual idea. But the idea of coins is, you know, being round, I think was kind of an, an odd idea. It didn't, um, I, I think that was a later thing when we started melting metal. Before that, you know, that a lot of them were carved. One of the oldest coins that they know was used as a monetary value was actually in the shape of a small dolphin, and they were made of brass or bronze. Mm. And those were those were used for trade. They were basically little ingots in the shape of fish. Right, right. Wow. Because we've kind of come full circle, right? Half the coins you see out there are not shaped like circles anymore. Exactly. And that's and that's one of the things we had some great talks about. Is it a coin if it's not coined, if it's not stamped? Is an injection molded coin the same as a stamped coin? So, does it have to be metal? Does that's, it be metal? Does, that's, yeah. that's a whole can of worms right there. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Doesn't have to be round. This is one of my favorite coins, not just because Jesse's on the show, but um, this one was fourteener, uh, which was my first mega. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I had a great time. I hope Jesse had a great oh, time. Yeah. I know, he, I know uh, you had, I had a great time meeting a lot of people. I know you had a lot going on. And we'll not talk about behind the scenes. We're not I was there, but I didn't meet you guys. Oh man, yeah, yeah. I didn't. It was. I had no idea, but I did enjoy Red Rocks. That was pretty amazing. Oh yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. yeah. No, it was, that was great. I, to be honest, I, I really was. But the cool thing is the fact that it's not round. It's got these protruding parts to it. Um, and not even close to the size of a coin either. There's no <laughs> large that you normally see, right? It's like almost a belt buckle. <laughs> compared to our you know to our coin it's it's enormous i mean it's a huge and your coin's pretty good size coin yeah yeah we got in our oh is this this one's pretty good size yeah I mean, that's what like your inside diameter is like 1.75 right uh, like two inches at the at the points oh yeah because we have points on them you're right yeah. yeah is there an actual standard geocoin size anymore i mean is there one that was like was standard for a while i mean I barely yeah. well, still. So when I when I started the the standard was everybody had um, a one point five. That was kind of the standard. Mm-hmm. And then for some like these events or special you know special you know special projects, you would get somebody who just went went nuts and made a you know a one and three quarter. Yeah. And then enough people went nuts and made one and three quarter that people started making all of them one and three quarter. And now it's you know someone gets nuts and makes a two inch. And so people started making a lot of two inches, but I, it has kind of it's a huge coin. around the one seven five for personals and commercial coins, yeah. but there are ones, especially if they're an oblong shape where you do, you do get them a bit bigger. Is that a carryover from like military challenge coins? I don't What's think that? so because most of those I still see are still around one five to one three quarter. Okay. Um, it's I, I was surprised I, I I I had been asked at one point if I'd ever designed any and I, and, and I have done some for fire departments and and police departments and stuff like that but I never really got into do the military ones yet um I think it's just opportunity hasn't meant met preparedness right. but eventually you know eventually it might get there 
but yeah, I think the um, I think the coin, the average coin is probably one and three quarter right now. That's kind of like the normal if if, the, if yeah. such a thing exists. So Ryan is jumping the gun. He uh, I guess he didn't know I was going to talk about this, but we did want to talk about things that coins can do, which is a whole. That's almost for a whole other show, but we're going to talk about it tonight because mm-hmm. it's part of it. But you can have something like the Mocha coin, and it spins. Yay! Makes noise. <laughs> There's for the audio listeners. I'm spinning the coin. Yeah, but, that particular coin was to highlight as you rotated. It was to highlight each of the different areas that you can go to right. in and around Moga. Right, That's different parts of it. Because I learned, and that <laughs> might that kind of leads into another thing. A big part of my fascination with coins is learning about something new with each coin. There's an enormous amount of research that sometimes goes into, you know, designing a new one or sometimes just shared with me on a new one. And I mean, that's that's a coin, but it's hard to even call that a coin anymore. Right. It's almost like a gadget. (laughs) It is kind of a gadget. You don't have spinning parts. Hey, Jesse, there's an earth cache at that part. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We've been there. Yeah, I mean. Oh yeah, we have, haven't we? That's right. Yeah, that's the that's the Earth Cache we're at. I never noticed that. I have that coin over there. Yeah, that's the Earth Cache we went to together. Well, that's that um, resonates thing we were talking about. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, each there's something for everyone. Yeah, um, but I didn't even think about it until you said that earlier, though. That the difference between the two, the personal coins versus the ones that you buy. I mean, it's, the ones that you buy at Mega still. It's an event. You went to it. It's, it's commemorative and everything else. But right. if you have somebody hand you a coin that they made for themselves, that definitely yeah. is a whole other level up. So, yeah, there's there's some really cool stuff out there. Um, I was, and if people who have known me for a while know that I was a, I was a madman for the the Habercash coin. There are very few of them out there. They were all handmade, a ball peen hammer, um, and a Dremel. This wow. Guy, beat these things into submission. He start with a small slug of brass and he just, wow. He did beautiful work and it was just, mm. I had always wanted one of his pieces because they're amazing work. You know, it's really beautiful hand art and it took many, many years. And I, and I tried to talk a lot of people out of their coins and I had <laughs> a lot of good trades offered for, um, you know, to try to get one, but right. People know what they have, and they and they I know think it. other people felt the same way I did about how special they were. And um, um, I did, I did finally through the magic of the caching community finally get one. And uh, it's uh, I would share it, but it's actually I'm working from the house during this whole yeah. COVID thing, so it's down at the studio yeah. on the wall. It's the only piece that hangs in my case of my own work that isn't my work, but wow. it's still so cool. I'm like, I, that's got to be in there because people are going to ask, what is that? <laughs> Um, and here's a here's a really good example of a oh, yeah. of a coin. This is a personal piece from uh, D22, and so fish shaped. Is it brass? Yeah. It's got a brass look to it. Yeah, it's just a it's a solid piece of brass, mm-hmm. and it's just been cut out, probably with a jewel, you know, with a jewel saw or on a you know on, on a jewel blade on a bandsaw. Mm-hmm. If I can do this, where it's I don't know how to do this the magic trick where there you go. Got it. Got it. But it's beautiful. I mean, the amount of work it takes to get that right, and how many, how many of these did you have to mess up just to get one? 
right. That was right. And so for the for me, these kinds of coins, they're you know, they're that's it. That's that's the epitome of cool. Is is if you make a personal coin that has that personal touch, and right. whether it's you doing it by hand or the mint doing it for you, if it tells a story about you, that's that's the one I want. You know, I've, yeah. I've met people and I have their coin and. Half the things we talk about, you know, you see small reflections of that in their coin. Yeah, that's a memory. That's a representation of a memory right there. Yeah. 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 For me, uh, that's why I said that that one that uh, Cashing Karen up in New Hampshire, mm-hmm. you know, she's cr- counted cross stitching these little pieces of cloth wow. to make her little geocaching symbol and to put her name underneath of it. And I found it after climbing an icy waterfall in the middle of January in, New, you know, in the White Mountains of New Hampshire, you know. Right. And so, I was like, that's cool. Everything about that trip, you know, every time I see that coin, like all the memories of that come back to me. That is very cool. Yeah. That is awesome. I like those things. So money aside, have you yeah. had more fun? And I'm, you may not even be able to answer this, right? But do you think you have more fun designing somebody's, helping somebody design their own personal coin or one for a, like a large event? I guess it kind of depends on the, the design, but. I think it's tough. Uh, that's a really tough question. I love being the hands for someone else's imagination. And a lot of times that's kind of the conversation we have is like, I know what I want, but I don't know how to get it down onto paper or I don't know how to get it into the computer. And some of the, some of the best ideas ever are literally, literally, you know, you know, scratches on napkin, you know, with a crayon or, you know, pencil, just, this is the idea. I've had so many design ideas come to me. They were like stick figures. I want a person here. I want a dog here. How do I make it look like that? You know, I want it to look like I'm walking down the trail, but the dogs are in front of me. How do we do that? And so I love a big part of what I do is, is, um, I offer these online sessions where I can put one of my monitors. I work on several monitors. Why? Yeah. But I put the, the sort of my tools are on side monitors, but my main monitor that has the artwork, I could put it up online in a private session. And so I can talk to somebody on the phone and we could work out how we want to put those things into it. And I think the ability to do that, the internet has made it amazing. It's they've made it kind of like, so you're sitting down at a drafting desk with me and we can write together. And that collaboration is always the best. When that level of collaboration is available for an event, it's the same kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's that's tough because the biggest thing holding you back is a good idea. Um, my all time one of my all time favorite quotes is uh, Henry Ford said, uh, "Thinking is the hardest work there is, and it's why so few endeavor in it." Mm. That is because good. that's where the work is and the thinking. And so a lot of times it's that process of how you know what do I want to put on my coin is. One of the things I, I love to tell people is like, start with a list of what's most important to you yeah. about caching, about being outdoors. What do you love about caching? What are the things about that drew you to caching or why did it fit into your life? Make that list and then look at it. Look at it hard. Give it some real thought. Set it aside for a day or two. Come back and look at it again. And yeah. you realize the list is out of order. And they'll reorder it, you know, and then they'll look at it a few days again later and they'll reorder it. And it's, it's an amazing clarifying moment for the cashier. And for me, I get to know them a little bit better too, which is yeah. kind of great. And then we can prioritize where things fit into the theme of their coin. So 
And they're like, well, you know, I like, you know, tulips and peanut butter, but that doesn't go together. And no, it does. We're going to make it go together. You know, <laughs> it's gonna fit. we're going to make this work, you know, and it's all about creatively making those things work. Um, but brainstorming is probably the most fun part of coin designing. And then it's a matter of if I'm working by myself, like with a club coin or something, mm-hmm. a lot of times it, it's something I saw, something that inspired me, you know, it's. And it's it'll be the weirdest things. I'm, I we made a we did made a great holiday coin a few years back, and I don't know what caught my attention, but it was um it was a a flyer on a table at a restaurant for Budweiser was giving away a motorcycle or something. But I saw that little table tent and I took a picture of it. I'm like, right. there's just something about that I like. Yeah, it ended up being you know it ended up being a holiday themed coin, but there was just ideas lead to ideas lead to ideas you know and a lot of times that's kind of like how it starts you know the uh yeah i like that the f-16 started as a life and drawing on a napkin at a bar that's that's (laughs) exactly some of those ideas is brilliant and a lot of times you know you hear these ideas i would love to but i know it's not possible and then you start thinking about you're like well hey what if what if we did this or maybe we looked at it this way um and so I love, you mentioned these gadget coins. A lot of those coins kind of start like those ideas. What if, how do we do this? You know, I know it's impossible, but, and but. I think a lot of times it's just, that's where it starts. If you, if you stick to the dream, it will somehow manifest itself before you're done. Well, that leads us perfectly into the question we've been wanting to ask anyway, right? So sure. if somebody can design one, they've gone through, they know what's important to them now. What are the limits? There's got to be some limits, right? Like you can't, there's be something out there. Size is probably the first thing. Okay. Um, and a lot of times, and this is one of the things that's kind of really important that um, a lot of people don't realize. They're like, you know, how, how is it that something, you know, that's this big, you know, right? three times as much as this big, even though it's, you know, not that much big, different in total size. Mm-hmm. Well, when the mint looks at a coin, they look at the two most far parts of the coin. So if the in a perfectly round diameter, they're looking from side to side. Okay. This one you say, oh, well, then that must be from here to here. But right. it's, it's actually from here to here because diagonally, it's just a little bit longer. Oh, yeah. So what happens is you have this die. They make this big steel encasement with the, with the imprint on it. And they have to put a collar on that. Okay. Because when they come down and smash that metal, everything right. wants to go away right. from all the pressure coming down. Right. So if you have a corner that goes too close to the edge, where's it going to break? Right. At that corner. Mm-hmm. So wherever your furthest outside corner is, they have to put that much more metal around it. So when you have that rectangular piece and it goes to the diameter corner, then you keep adding this material. But as you add a material, it's um, exponentially more volume of metal, which means your die gets more expensive. Right. So it's really the die that's, that's hurting you when it comes to creating the size. So for like these Woodstock ones, it's it's actually all the way out. Yeah. Whichever tool is the longest. And I, I mean, I think they're the same, but yeah, the, the, the farthest tip on the, you know, on the one, and right. the walking stick or the ice axe to the other tip. That's right. the outside measurement. Right. 
And so there's a cost to having a cool, uh, you know, non round edge. And that's part of it. Something like this Moga coin that has, um, that is cool too. <laughs> did you do this one by the way? I didn't even ask you. I didn't. I saw one, um, Someone like this one a little while ago and I said, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. cool. It's, it's a, nice it's a but what about these, like for the holes, do they have to then come back and machine those parts out? So, I'm not sure about that one because I haven't held it in hand, but a okay. lot of times what happens is when you get these really odd edges, yeah, they go from being a stamped piece to a cast piece. Okay. And the difference is now instead of having those two pieces that slam together, yeah. Now they have the two pieces and they'll um those side pieces, they're still under high pressure, but those side pieces will have three holes drilled in one side where these extremely high pressure rods, these sort of tubes, straws will go on the side and they will under extreme pressure force liquid metal through and out the other side. It'll just start spinning out like straws on the other side. Once they've blown all the air through, they stop, take it out, break it off, shave off those pieces, those little straw tips, kind of like a, like your old plastic models, you know, the part, the whole part came in the frame Mm -hmm. and then they will polish that up and remove it. But they can, by forcing it around those corners, you can go around holes. Oh, okay. If it's a perfectly round hole, then often they could uh, they can drill it to match. But when it's something unusual like that, it's usually because it's cast or it's pressure cast. Or in the case of one like this, it's spin cast. Oh, okay. So for this one, the issue with this one was that we wanted this little tip of the wing, where is this one, to stick yeah, up out. Top. Right. And this was kind of early on in, in my design days. I didn't really know what it meant to ask for that. And not only to have the wings stick out, but I wanted to, the spine of the coin to actually look like an actual spine. Oh, wow. Mm. And to do that, you're, you're looking at, you can see on the left, there's multiple levels on the outside. Yeah. And so when you look at a regular, a regular, um, a regular stamp, it comes together, it has to separate and not break any of those pieces in the middle. Right. And if I understand the process correctly, there's sort of a heat resistant silicone that they use to go to give you that full 3D edge. And they insert the liquid metal under pressure into it. And that mold shakes around, around, and around, and around. And it shakes the metal out into those fine tips on the edges. Right. And that's basically spun at high speed like a centrifuge, and it pushes the metal out as they keep adding it to the middle. And so you get a nice thick coin, but it mm-hmm. has a whole 3D edge. Right. That is pretty amazing. And so that was the first time I'd ever worked with spin casting, but that was pretty cool. That was a neat idea. When when it comes to those items, do they is that where price can start to become a little bit higher because of the process? It, it can, but generally it comes back to the size. It usually, okay. it's surprisingly, I thought that would be a bigger, a bigger issue, but it's, it's really not. There's usually, you know, we're talking pennies or, you know, dimes, you know, per coin difference for that kind of stuff. Um, one of the big, uh, one of the biggest things that I didn't realize it until early on was that the one of the biggest single items that you can do to add um, cost to a coin is the type of enamel. Um, Imitation hard enamel or soft clay zone. Those are the ones that are kind of like smooth, like glass on the surface. Yeah. 
All right, those ones, they're heavier and they look cool, but they add, they're a lot harder process and they take a lot more time and energy at the mint to actually create them. Um, so basically they, they fill these up, kind of overfill them with enamel and they hold them against a, like a smooth polishing surface that grinds them smooth like glass, like polishing oh, okay. rock, you know? And that's a lot of extra work. Whereas with the soft enamel, they could fill it, bake it, and give it a quick polishing and it's good to go. Right. So different process. The upside is you get a lot more colors in translucent enamels with hard enamel. Okay. The downside is the expense. And sometimes you don't always get what you think it's going to be. And there are a couple tricks to overcoming that. There's a couple new techniques using epoxy resin fills over soft enamels that give you the same look and feel of hard enamel, but at a fraction of the cost. Wow. That's just one of those things that you learn by doing it. Um, That that latest turtle coin that they did, the Flight of the Navigators for Mm -hmm. the Geocoin Club. Right. A lot of people thought that was IHE, and it's and it's not. It's actually soft enamel that just has a clear epoxy resin over it. Over it. And translucent enamels are really cool. They're kind of like a, like Jello, right? When you look at them, you look right through them. And the color of the Jello shows on the plate below it. If you add a clear epoxy resin over that colored enamel, it kind of just brings that color right up through it. Oh, right. And so it looks like it's full up, and so you get that kind of look of the IHE with translucents, but you're, you know, you're only paying for the cost of soft enamel. Right. But you can also kind of take advantage of uh, using the same color in different spots. I'm, I was looking at this uh, treasure coin that you did. Mm-hmm. I love this treasure coin. I mean, it's, it's a, a huge. It's a big coin. A huge coin. Yeah. Um, I mean, when they were at, when we were talking about size, I'm like, really? That sounds really big. They're like, nah, it's got to be. It's got to be at least that big. <laughs> yeah, and there's so much okay. going on with that. Love. Sounds really big. Yeah. Well, one of the things about it too is the fact that um, you know it's got these, it's got this maroon color, but he used the same color just in different places. So I guess you could sort of take advantage sometimes of of that possibility because you did, you know, he's he's not adding a bunch of extra color. It's just that he's using it in different right. locations. And generally, you're paying you're paying per color. Um, right. You know, if you're using less than a half dozen colors, it may not really affect your price much at all. Um, mm-hmm. I have had coins where they got up to 14, 15, 16 colors per side. And that's when it's like, all right, that's getting ridiculous. It's because it's taking a lot of extra work because I imagine, you know, I, I, I couldn't confirm because I was not there in the room doing it. But I imagine you have an artist or, you know, or a crafter who's working on the application table where they're adding that color. And, you know, for each color, you probably have another person working because they have they're dedicated to doing just that part of the color on a coin. So, you know, you're adding a whole nother step and a whole nother series of of work to be done. So, yeah, reusing colors is a big deal. It saves your cost. And and a lot of times it just makes your coin look better when you don't get too lost in, in overdoing the color. Is there a limit to the number of colors somebody could use? Maybe wouldn't be advisable, but. Um, I have seen in my own designs, I, I, I try to keep it under 10 if I can. Mm-hmm. I have gone as high as, you know, between 14 and 16 on occasion. But if I do that, I, it's usually for a very specific reason. You know, it's not just for the sake of using lots of color. Um, 
a lot of times, a lot of times it's hard to get good solid matches and variation between colors too. I mean, there's part of it's, you know, you're looking through a Pantone color chart. It's kind of like a, like when you go to the Ethan Allen paint counter and there's 3000 colors, but right. you have to tell the mint, you know, to the umpteenth degree exactly which color. And so we've got color books that we go through and we have to match it. And I do histogram checks against what's on the, on the uh, computer monitor and what that matches to in a real life color. And there's, there's a bit of a science to it mm-hmm. that goes to that. But um, yeah, that's uh color. I think Early on, I wanted to use as much color as I could because I didn't understand how important it was to restrain yourself. And I found later on that some of my favorite coins only have one or two colors, but they're used much more intelligently or more more um, artfully. And I think those are some of the ones that I like the most. Like uh, Declan Clan has the um, the Deception Pass Bridge coin. That's still one of my all-time favorite coins. And I think it's Mm -hmm. just... I think it's just two colors. Wow. It's, white, it's white and yellow on an antique copper, and it's amazing. Wow. Yeah. Now, the uh, shape, colors. This one's got, and this one's got the little doodad on the back, which I know we're getting into a lot of those, but it's got a. That's what yeah. I was going to ask next. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yep. So that one's a, is that still called a Sherpa coin if it's got one coin? Rest? I don't know. I've heard that before, right? That is the funniest thing. We, I forget why. We initially called it that. We I've heard it several times, though. But oh, uh, yeah, and, and that came out a long, long time ago. We said something, uh, something else, like um, it, you know, because one was acting as a sherpa for the other coin. It was carrying the gear. Oh yeah. And and we, initially, people thought we were talking about the design. We were talking about the idea of something backpacking, uh, uh you know, an extra weight on its back. Yeah. It was carrying something on its back. And that's where that idea came through. And, you know, initially we did it. We had a couple ideas. They didn't work as smooth as, as we thought they might. But over time, we realized there's a lot of really brilliant ways to use that, you know. And you started seeing a lot of magnets in coins over time. Yeah. Like this one, which yeah. I think still is uh, my, my wife's favorite coin. This one's <laughs> fascinating um, because it comes apart. Well, it's and what Gary's showing is a, uh, a locket coin, but it looks like there's three pieces of it. And it's a hard yeah. locket coin. Yep. There's the the top part. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the shackle and then the two bases. Okay. See, I never knew that was what it was called. That's another part of the doing the coins that I love. You learn new stuff. There you go. That loop is called a shackle. <laughs> shackle. It comes apart. So you can give a part to somebody else and. You get one part, and when you most importantly, each of those two parts has the same tracking code. Oh, does so it? You trade it with another casher who also has a heart, say in a different color. Oh yeah. You end up with a you know a two color heart with two tracking codes. Oh yeah, now, that's cool. And once that happens, maybe they trade it to someone who has a green colored one, and now you switch it out. Yeah. And right it again and again, and so through the love of caching, you know. You end up doing <laughs> a bunch of trading with people wearing the similar locket. Yeah, I love I that. I think there's about 15 or 20 different colors. Oh, right. I love it. That's awesome. That's pretty neat. So now that's that's multi-pieces now. So that's one right. more model. Um, what else would be a limitation or something that – maybe not even a limitation, but something people probably don't even realize they could 
they could do as part of a coin. Uh, so that's a. In fact, I, I took it off because I was I was going down the Delaware River today. I was rafting. Um, I wear one on my on my hand. They we made one that's a watch band. Oh, cool. Oh, um, wow. And so the idea was um, the idea was to make something that was simple, you know, understated, but it could easily be identified, and you could wear it all the time. The idea was that to remind you on a daily, you know, have you found your cash today? You know, yeah. there's always time for cashing. So that idea. So a lot of times it comes down to when you're talking about, you know, what is there a limitation? Mostly it's finding a clever way to use the existing, you know, techniques and or pushing those techniques a little bit further. Mm -hmm. So for us, we found out, you know, hey, you know, we could do this, you know, make this uh, sort of like a watch case, you know, or the head watch face where you would have a trackable on the back or on the side. We said, "Hey, that's a great idea. We can we can even get it drilled where the little pins will go in it, and we put a nice watch band on it. And it came with a actually really comfortable one that's you know that's pretty sturdy that I've worn for about a year now, and it, it's just now starting to get beat beyond usefulness. But I'll, I'll I'll upgrade it to like a patent leather or something soon and make it look pretty. But the idea of of wearing it all the time, I said, well, if if you're going to have this on all the time, then it also needs to be curved, right." And so then that really threw us for a loop because do you curve it before or after you add the enamel? Because now we're adding Ooh. an enamel that wants to run. Yeah. And so how do you get it to stay in there? And so a lot of times it's, you know, you're, it's a little bit of, a little bit of leap of faith, a little bit of good guesstimation, I guess, hypothesis, and then being very patient and, polite to the mint because they're they're taking your crazy idea and trying to make it a reality mm -hmm. and so if you could make it as easy as possible for them that makes it that much more likely that it's going to come out well if they're you know if they're excited about the project you know it's going to go faster and easier smoother you're going to get better results um yeah so that's that's a big part i think is finding clever ways to use existing technology is a big thing uh, the watch band was one of those. Um, That's really cool. The like I, we were talking before the um, the belt buckle. Oh yeah, the belt buckle. <laughs> you can make a belt buckle. That's cool. The, uh, the Moga coin. That's the water. The the water table that has the um, elevation. Used it as a tool. So it was funny. Like doing the research for Lewis and Clark, they talked about some of the some of the problems that they had with going east to west was that they had navigation tools that worked on water and now here yeah. they are out in the middle of the woods going up and down mountains trying to make things work and they yeah. had to kind of devise whole new ways to do things mm. and so learning about the tools they used changed the changed my ideas about the coin and so now it's you know how do i make that work in a coin and so for me it was finding a clever way to make a coin that actually held water and the coin holds water and works as a tool and so, you know, it takes a bit of work. Um, it was a Tri-Cities Geocaching in Washington State. They have this amazing event every summer. Right. And they do these crazy coin ideas. Um, and they, you know, this is, you know, this is one of those clients where no, no idea is too crazy to try. And so, you know, at one point I had somebody using, you know, a, a cardboard toilet paper roll tube and an iPhone to take wow. a picture 
<laughs> because I needed to know where the final cash location would be. And the idea was you would go around over the course of this day wow. and you would pick up different parts of the coin as you went through the event. Oh, wow. And when you got to the final stages of the event, you would put all the pieces together into this coin and you would stand in the right place and turn and survey with the, you know, with the right distance from your face, the same as right. you would be with that, uh, right. uh, it's actually a um, paper towel roll, you know, right. like yeah. so it had to be the right distance from your eye to look through that sight lens and if you <laughs> changed it, it would match up and um, with the landscape, kind of like they called it the Goonies coin or people were calling it the Goonies coin because it was right. the same idea. You would match up the landscape and when all five of those pieces went together, they all crisscrossed in the center and they built a circle that showed you where the final location was. Oh, you had to stand in the right piece in the right place, have all the right parts in the right order, and you would look through it and find something. Wow. And so for, you know, again, you know, having a client that's willing to take crazy ideas like that and try it makes a huge difference. But also that's something we already knew how to make a coin. We know how sight works. So now we just have to combine it and make it work. And so that was a huge challenge, but it, it went through wonderfully. And, and I think one of the best comments I heard was one of the volunteers working there said, I've never seen so many middle-aged guys who look like six-year-old kids, <laughs> you know, looking through that and just super excited that it worked. Yeah. Said, you know, that's, I said, that's, that's the best. That's the best thing I could hear is that people were excited about it. Yeah. It was more than just another pretty coin. But uh, before we we wrap up, as we as we start to wrap up tonight, mm-hmm. what uh, what email address would you would you like me to give tonight to people that would might want to get in touch with you? Is it did the um, our, our design group one or? Yeah, it's uh, Chris at OraDesignGroup.com or OraDesignGroup at Hotmail.com. Okay, I'll put that one up on the screen. Yeah. I wasn't sure. So I'll leave that up for a moment. Um, so, wow. There, there are some amazing things. Um, you know, um, can you do, go ahead. I want to say that we, we kind of, I got, I kind of got sidetracked, which I, I tend to, cause I get excited about coins. It's okay. But, uh, we were talking about um, the cost of doing coin. A lot of people, um, a lot of that, a lot of people, that's a big concern. Like how do I afford to do this? I think one of the big things is remember a coin doesn't have to be, designed today and produced tomorrow. You could design a coin now and it may take a little time to do it. You know, um, if you have a good idea, it might be done in days. If you have a vague idea and we need to talk about it and gel on it for a while, it may be done in weeks, but you can get that part of it done. And once you have a plan, you have a blueprint. Now it's just about going to the next step. But once you have a blueprint, the next step can be just getting samples. And so you bite off a piece, and you work with that, you know, within your budget and you bite off a piece and you get those samples and you make sure that it looks right. Once you get your samples, those dyes are built. Now you have like three years to actually produce it because those dyes are waiting on the shelf for you to say go. Right. Now, prices may change a little bit, but they don't tend to fluctuate too right. much. But you could take a you could take a piece at a time and a piece at a time. Um a lot of times I ask, you know, do I have to do, like, if, if I do 200 coins, do they all have to be trackable? And the answer is no. You could make 50 of them trackable and the rest could be sequentially numbered. You could do them in, and make the trackable versions in one metal color and the, re, you know, the sequential collector versions in another metal color. You could, there's, 
there's a ton of options. And a lot of times, if you kind of have an idea of what you're willing to invest in your personal marker, a lot of times that's more important than, than the end goal because we can get to the end goal regardless of the budget. Right. You may have to cut corners um, as far as like, well, not cut corners even really like, you know, okay, we can't use 15 colors. We're going to use five, but we're going to use five smartly. And because we know we can only use five, you're still going to have a design that's just as cool as if you'd use 15 because we knew from advance and we designed it around that. Instead of using that as a, as sort of a, um, a barrier, we use that as a tool to make it better. And so I think a lot of it is just kind of planning out in advance, knowing that you don't have to do it all at once, doing it in steps makes a huge difference. And you can, you can bite off those steps. You know, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time, but you have to take the first bite to get started. And a lot of that, a lot of times it's just sitting down talking about it, talking about what's important to you for your coin. Uh, our, our, is it our design group.com is the website as well? Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. I'll put that up while. So if somebody is thinking about getting into this and this is not a exact amount, right. Or time, but if they're just thinking of a, I need, I want this done by Christmas. Mm. You be thinking not this Christmas. No, just, <laughs> Christmas 2021. Not this one. I'm saying like, say like, I want it done for a special event, whether it's Christmas or my birthday or whatever else. I have a big event that I want to do next year or whatever else. Yeah. They're making their own personal coin. Do they need to, what's a general idea rule of thumb? Like I, I need $8 million and four years to design it or maybe a little less than that. I mean, like, yeah. Um, like if, if they do a standard yeah. basic price, goal. price wise, I mean the average, say um, it's 1.75 round, which is kind of the normal average size. You absolutely have to have it trackable and it has to have an icon mm -hmm. and it has to be, um, you know, it has to have a, you know, an average number of colors or whatever, and be in three different metals. And oddly enough, doing a bunch of different metals doesn't usually change the price. You oh. just, it's, it's the total number that seems to be more important. More. The prices right. can fluctuate slightly between colors, but not, not enough to make a difference. Not, not one that matters. Um, but you know, if it's non-trackable, you could probably get it in under a thousand dollars. And if it's trackable and you're going all out, you could probably still get it in for under 14 or 15. Yeah. So, and I know that sounds like a lot, but at the same time, it sounds like a lot when you're looking at it, it's all one piece. But if you buy and collect coins on a regular basis, this is really good for you because now you have a coin, instead of going out and buying every coin you see, you're trading for those. I, a lot of times I've gone to coins or gone to events and someone says, I love this coin you have. I'm this, you know, that's in your trading box, but I don't have, I don't have, you know, that uh, or anything to trade. And I said, well, go grab one of the event coins and we'll trade. Yeah. So I made a coin that might've cost me eight or $9 for the coin. I'm trading for an event coin that might cost 12 or $14. So I just got the coin I wanted. Yeah. Using the coin I made and I'm $4 ahead in the game. And say you did that, at, you know, at a dozen events and 20 or 30 personal trades in the first year. Well, all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait a minute. That yeah. just, I'm trading my personal coin for one that I've been trying to get forever. But the only place I ever see it is on eBay for 35 or 40 bucks. But someone just traded it to me for the coin that I made for 10 bucks. Yeah. 
So if you do, if you're part of that community, you want to be in that and you want to do that on a regular basis, you literally start saving money once you have your own piece. Right. Um, that helps. That helps a lot. Um, a lot of times the big, the big thing that's kind of everybody gets stuck on is the price. You know, how soon can I dive in? Am I really willing to worth to do it? And I like to point out that if you ever seen someone who made the personal coin within a year or two, you usually see them make another one. Mm. Why would they jump in on it again so <laughs> fast if it wasn't a good idea? Right. But generally it is. It's, it's, it, it pays off in time. And it's not so much about the money either. It pays off in that you meet a whole new circle of people that are even tighter in that community. People share, people are incredibly generous in that community. Right. Um, things I have, I've had things come back. Uh, karma is, is wildly at work in the coin right. community. It's a good thing. Um, it's, I have never seen that not turn out better more often than bad. Yeah. You know, it is an investment, but it's part of the game, just like everything else. Right. You know, if, if you're it, it in a part of the game and you're buying coins and you're trading for coins. Yeah. So we talked a little bit earlier. I said my, when we were talking about uh, that coin that disappeared and reappeared again four years later. Yeah. So one of the things I, I, I worked for a long time, I worked in television and I would do, I would work for months for something that would be seen for 30 seconds on te television, you know, cause it was in a commercial and then it was gone. It was, right. You know, it'd run for a few weeks and be gone. You'd never see it again. No one knew you did it. Yeah. And so I, I had done that for almost 20 years before I really started doing coins. And right. I said something to my wife about, you know, I said, sometimes I wonder if I'm doing the right thing. I feel like I'm doing all this work and no one will ever remember my artwork, you know, right. after all this time I poured into it. She said, what are you talking about? She said, unless someone go goes out and gathers up every coin you ever designed and grinds it into dust, it's going to be on this planet forever. And it was, it was kind of a, a, like an aha moment because I was thinking about, all the print work and animation work and things that I had done that on, that was on film or printed as my artwork. And she was looking at my coins as what, what my real artwork was. Oh, wow. And I thought that's pretty cool. If you make a personal coin, your coin is going to be here thousands of years from now. Right. Floating around in some archeologist den or in a museum or something, <laughs> but you're, you literally become a permanent part of history on mm -hmm. this like, awesome. and that's a personal coin, you know, it's only with a personal coin. Does that happen? How cool is that? You, it, you might as well have left your dinosaur footprint on the earth that said, you know, Chris was here. Yeah. And I, I said, that's that, a cool way to think about that. That is pretty cool. You that's are awesome. forever a part of this. Nobody can take it away once it's made. It just, that's not going to happen. You're out there now. That's pretty cool. That, that is cool. I think that's a good place to wrap up tonight. It's hard to beat that. So it's hard to beat that. Let's let's uh, let's wrap up and uh, thanks everybody, and we'll see you here in a minute with the outro. Folks, we hope you've enjoyed the show tonight as well as our new format. Please email us your comments at geocachetalk at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. The show can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, or Spotify, as well as at the Geocache Talk website. Don't forget to click that subscribe button below and ring that bell notification so that you can see and hear the show on a weekly basis. And tell your friends about the show. Get them involved with us in the chat room. And until next week, don't just talk about geocaching. Go geocaching.
Chris, thank you so much. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. It was fun. We'll see everybody next time. Yeah, excited. They were asking tons of questions. I couldn't get to all the questions. Already. I know. We had so many. We'll yeah, do it again. I mean, pepper me. I mean, I'm on Facebook too. So, I mean, they could just pepper me away with questions over there. I answer questions all day uh, on Messenger at Facebook. That's great. Yep. So, yeah. Good night, everybody. Good night. Thanks. You bet.